0: Praise God. How is everybody? I'm going to ask everybody to come on up and get into the curve. It would be great. I appreciate that. That would be awesome. This is. Is that better? Hey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Deanna, come on up. Bring your little piece of paper. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you and we honor you today. Lord, we open up the word to you to reveal to us the mysteries behind the scriptures. And Lord, we thank you and we honor you for that. You sent us your son who is the way, the truth and the life. So open us up so we can receive the life that you have for us. And Lord, we just honor you and we thank you for the Holy Spirit. The spirit that convicts us, corrects us and directs us and helps us to know the right way. So, Lord, use our spirit today to show us which way you want us to go. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise the Lord. It is so important that our spirit takes us where we need to go. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes us where we need to go. And I love this lesson today. I'm really going to stick to the book today. This is a very good, I read this, and Gene said, you know, just teach anything on character. And I look through the discipleship book, and if everybody turns to page 173, I'm pretty much going to stick to this, but I love the revelation that the Lord really kind of added to it. Because, and I'm going to read a lot of the little ex- excerpts from it. But if you don't, this is fine if you don't have the book. I'm still teaching it out. You'll still get all the scriptures, and they'll put the scriptures up on the, on the, uh, the sound if you have the book, it's 173. If not, just have your notes out, and I'll have the scriptures will go up. But if you just want to follow along. Right, Niana, where's your mommy? She's okay. All right, praise God. Because, you know, it is important. Is this being live stream? We're on live stream, okay. Um, it is important that we recognize the Holy Spirit and what the purpose that it does from within us. Its goal is to help develop our character so that our soul can be transformed into a Christ-like mind. And it's so important. It takes time. Thank God we got a process that we have to develop into Jesus sanctifying the soul and reigning in our time. So if you look on 173, I'm just going to read a couple things because it's really important to where god wants to develop our character there is a verse john 12:24 if you can put that up if you can put that up it is so awesome cuz we're really going to focus on this verse and i started teaching this out in real estate worship today and it was really good john 12:24 says most assuredly i say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it does what produces much grain now I know you've all heard this verse I remember the first time I read it I did not it took me I did not have a renewed mind to understand this verse but we are a ministry that helps people go through a process of death burial rest and resurrection so the no matter what you can feel like you're dying But you are going to have a what? A resurrection. If you hold on to the plow and you do not look back, lest you are not fit for the kingdom, you've got to hold on to that plow and not look back to what's happening behind you. You have to keep going forward and knowing this is the training that he has set for us between now and the time you leave this earth. Every year, plan on it. Death, burial, arrest. You get a rest there. And then you have a resurrection. And the best part is, there are levels to this. There's your personal death, burial, rest, resurrection. You know what I mean? Then there's our ministerial, you know, what we have to do in the body. And then there is global, you know, how everything affects the earth. Death, burial, and resurrection. When we finally get off that first row and get out of ourselves, and we've got some of the light renewing our soul. We can really start building the kingdom of God in Savannah. We, that's why this ministry is so blessed. Because he is saying to us, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and what? Dies. Okay, that means we can, no, we can go nowhere till something starts dying in us. It has to die. In fact, it's so awesome that in this verse, in, it, 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 when it says, into the ground. And it dies. That means you can throw it. A seed is already dried up in what? Dead. And when it goes into the ground, I think this is so awesome. It says it remains alone. How many of us said in our growth, I'm alone. I'm alone. I feel all uh, alone. See, I like this instruction because I, I really kind of always overlook those three words. It remains alone. Now you can take this two ways. When a seed falls in the ground, it's all by itself. It's all a what? Alone. But the Lord was revealing this to me today. If you allow whatever deceptive thought that in you dies and you allow it to remain alone, guess what? It's going to be buried. In death and burial, there is a period of time Where that seed that had death on it, when you let it go, it actually has to now, it hits the ground. And it says, and it's going to what? Die. But don't go back and do what? Don't go back and touch it. Leave it alone. I'm being really serious about this. We are in the death period about to transition into burial. Right? That means there's some things that in your life. That have to be left alone. And that means if God has separated you in a season. To spend time with him. That means leave your friends alone. Don't answer the phone. Don't be quick. Respond. But don't be quick to run out the door and go do something. When God has revealed to you and identified what has to die. Now he wants you all to himself. He wants you to to be in one with him and don't go back out and read and revive what is trying to die. Do you get the depth of this? This is kind of an interesting way to look at it. It has to remain alone, but if it dies, now listen, what I'm saying. If a seed remains alone, it still has a choice. If you're going to respring up the old, or you're going to, or you're going to allow the new to grow because if it dies, it will do what? It will produce. Now, let me tell you something. I believe the Lord is revealing an order in this word. And, the, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back it up with something that's in this. This is what was so awesome. When the Lord revealed that to me in the burial season, don't touch the dead body. Right? I mean, I grew up in a funeral home. The body would come in. It would be all wrapped up. It's not time to do what? Touch it. It would come in wrapped up because there would be a special embalmer that would come in. My dad had a list of embalming, of embalming people, and he called it the removal business. It was the removal book, the removal business. He actually had to send somebody to the hospital to go pick up the dead wheat, right? The dead wheat. He had to bring it to the funeral home, and it had to sit in the morgue until the embalmer came to embalm the body. All right. So now. I want you to think about this. There is something that God is trying to get off. You have a bunch of seed in your soul. Well, there is one it's time to get rid of. And he has identified it. If he has identified it, that means you have to what? Throw it out. You have to identify it and you have to claim that you don't, you do not want that. But then now you have to spend time with God alone. This is really important until it is buried and done, because if it dies, it will produce much grain. But if that seed of deception does not die, then it's not going to produce. You're going to continue repeating the same cycle of deception. And see, God, all he wants is for his children to grow up in the plan he's already ordained for their life. So if you're a pastor, evangelist, a teacher, um, an apostle, a prophet, um, a, a person of helps, um, hospitality, whatever you're called to do, God actually has to mature you into that. And that means there's some, it's, there are some things that have to die. And so every season he exposes something that has to die in us. And I like it because I can look in the eyes and I know God has already shown some people in here what they have to die at. But now they actually have to let it go. You just have to throw it out of this soil. And now you have to remain alone until it's time that you know it's buried. See, sanctification. Jesus came to sanctify the soul. He just didn't teach this to us. He also taught it to his son Moses, which is what I want to hit in this story. This is so awesome. I just want to read this. The most difficult times in life of a Christian are those where God breaks our spirit. He does this when we have a strong independent spirit. We dislike it when he works on that area. But once the spirit of independence has been broken, we will experience the greatest blessing. These are the times where a Christian Produces the most fruit and has the greatest sense of purpose. But do you know you can't even experience that till a seed of deception in your soul comes to death. You can't. You can't even know what it is. Put up here for me. Um, put up here for me. Verse Exodus. Give me two eleven, and we're gonna do a couple verses in order here. You know, God, God loves us so much. He has to break all of us. So he's got to break something in her soul. He's got to break something in her soul. He's got to break something in each of our souls. Every season, he will make aware what needs to be broken. What lie, what seed is sitting in there that has to die? All right. And let me tell you something. You usually know what it is in the death season because it's the thing that's constantly repeating the same cycle. The same cycle, the same cycle, the thing that makes you most annoyed, the thing that increases your rage, boom, that's a secret. Uh, that's an area, that's an identification of what it's connected to. So if somebody's getting on your nerves, that means there is something God is trying to highlight in you, not that person. What in that person causes that thing to rage in you? That's the thing he's causing for you to die in. I counseled with somebody today and they are really struggling with this same rotation of rejection. And the person that she rejects the most is her husband. But the most thing is she realizes because every day it's a different rejection. So I asked her, have you asked him for f- forgiveness? Have you said, I'm sorry, I have rejected you. Will you forgive me? Well, it was so beautiful because when you think of the person that gets on your nerves the most, you have to ask them for your forgiveness. See, that's tough, isn't it? Sometimes, because the first thing we think is, well, I didn't do anything wrong. They did something to me. But the moment you ask for their forgiveness, you change something. You're changing something in the atmosphere so that there can be healing. Well, it takes a very, Jesus came and showed us that, but it takes a it takes a lot of maturity to be able to identify what is it that you have to let go. Sometimes we have to extend our handout of forgiveness to another and let our pride go. Their pride holds us in that place. So I want to go on this story. This is awesome. This is a great story because I never read this. I didn't, I mean, I know this. But I did never read this. It says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. So Moses, was all grown up, right? That he went out to his brethren and he looked at their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Because everybody knows Moses was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but only because she picked him out of a basket. Okay, so he grew up in the palace of Egypt. Okay, but when he was grown and he went out to the people, he felt the burden of the people. Now, Moses did nothing wrong, but he felt their burden because somewhere in his DNA, he knew they're my people. He knows they're my people. So he sees an Egyptian beating one of his own brethren. Next verse. So he looked this way and that way. Now, this is what was so awesome. I do love this. He looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he thought the close was clear. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, talk about this. This is good, right? He did feel the burden of how abusive the Egyptians were. But was it his job to go kill another man? No, but something rose in him and he went and that's what he did. All right. And you knew it. He knew it was wrong because he had to do what? He had to look this way. He had to look that way. He saw no one. He went for the kill. Okay. Now, when you have to look around before you say anything, before you do anything, And you got to check the moment out. You are about to walk in to the identification of what God is trying to kill in your life. I'm serious. If you have to look around and check this, look around and check that and then go do something. Then, you know, there's something that he's trying to reveal to you. But see, God loves so Moses. Moses was already called and Moses was already established. And what his call to do in life was. But he still had to grow up. He still actually had to die from things. Go to the next verse, Todd. This is so cool. And when he went out on the second day, behold, there were two Hebrew men. And they were fighting. Right? And he said to the one who did the wrong. See, Moses thinking he needs to correct some people now, right? Right? To the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Okay, because now who's become the judge? He's pointing some things out now. Next verse, 14. Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, oh, surely this thing is known. (laughs) Come on, we are in death season. We have got to know what are you dying of? I'll tell you right now, if you have to look to the right, if you have to look to the left, if you have to plan a kill or a strategy on something, God's trying to reveal something in you. Oh, come on, isn't this beautiful? And then I mean, I love this because you should see me when I was reading this., oh, this is good. Like because I, th- I know my own behavior patterns. If I have to look to the right, look to the left to try to plan and kill something, then God's trying to show something in me. because w- one person's evil. We do not get ex- we are not to return evil for what? Evil, okay? But see, here's the thing. He thought nobody knew his secret. In shame, I love this. Do you intend, the, the man said, who are you, the prince and the judge over us? Do you intend to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? Boom, rebuke. Not only did he take a next step, now it was becoming back at him. Isn't this awesome? Meaning it was coming back at him because God, God sees everything. You never know who is watching what you do. Man, I have been in a room. I see people looking around. You know what I mean? All that is, it's not them. It's the deception in their soul eyeing out. They don't want people. People don't want to be seen doing something when we should be completely transparent. You know what I mean? But the deception in our soul that's ready to be delivered. It's like when the light shines on darkness. And you come up for your time of change and exposure has to happen because we have to die. That thought has to die. That behavior has to come to death. But before the behavior, you have to get to the thought. See, thoughts are like seeds that we produce into words and we put out there. And then we do actions based off our thoughts. So isn't this awesome? So Moses did what? Feared and said, surely this thing is known. Oh my gosh. That means like if these people know it, everybody's got to know it. So he started fear and trembling right then. When you feel fear, feel fear, what's God's trying to identify your death. When you feel fear about something, your death is being identified. Do you get this? Isn't this good? What do you fear? What is coming upon you? I've always used this example. I've used this example many times. Sheila's going to laugh because Sheila's just heard it so many times. I was one of six kids and my mother would get cookies and she'd put them in a cookie jar. Come on. We've all been there, right? Well, there were six of us. And my mother would say, who stole the cookies from the cookie jar? All of us had to say yes, because there wasn't one of us that never had. Can you imagine trying to find out six kids who stole a cookie from a cookie jar? Do you know what I mean? And we're all saying yes, because, or, you know, we all sit there and don't say anything because no matter what, we already saw each other steal from the cookie jar. You get what I'm saying? No, that's Lisa. No, that's Lee. No, that's Laurie. No, that's Leonard. You get it? That's how, come on. We have all done things that were not of godly character because we either copied, we either saw, it's either generational, it's whatever. It's whatever. But see, God allows those moments to happen when somebody calls the light, like that man, just so you can feel the fear at that moment. So God, that is your Holy Spirit convicting you to say, this is what you're going to die of this season. This is what you're going to die of. Haven't you had these things where you feel fear all the time, every time this happens? Every time this happens? Man, Carl and I have a customer right now. The man fears any type of chemical. The man fears. <laughs> he fears the rain falling from the sky. He thinks there's acid in it, you know. But is it amazing? Like he brought this man to us. He's bringing this man to us. He not only had an experience with Carl. He had an experience here. He's so fearful. But believe it or not, we're going to break that. We're called to help this man not fear the things of earth that are around him. But anyway, go to the next verse. Two, 2 fifteen. Praise God. I'm asking you all to think right now. I want you to think. I want your spirit to to convict your heart. What is it that I'm fearing right now? What is it I'm fearing? Whatever it is, God's trying to change the character in your mindset not to fear. And he's trying to show you the answer of how to change that. It says, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, Pharaoh heard of this matter. That means it got to the big guy. He sought to do what? Kill Moses. I now I love this. God has three levels for us chasten, he has a rebuke, and he has a what? Scourge. I'm gonna tell you right now when we recognize our sin or we recognize the deception, we can seek the word and seek the Holy Spirit, and He will give us the corrected word that's gonna help us to bury and to die but he's going to have us in relationship with him alone. We have to be alone with him. He will give you the wisdom of the truth. But then what do you have to do? Now you really have to let it die by applying the word. Because if it does not die, it won't produce the outcome for that year. But if it does die, what happens? You'll produce much fruit for this season. I mean, come on, there's one thing. We're not trying to get everybody so polished up that everybody... We're trying to that everybody's becoming a clone. We're trying to get each individual person polished up in the one thing that you're fearing for the season so that this ministry can build its next level. But the thing that's got to die in me is not going to be the same thing that has to die in Sheila or that has to die in Carrie. But I'll tell you right now, the Lord's not going to change his order. He's going to cause you to see the order of those steps. And to ask yourself, hey, have I had to look to the right or the left? Hey, has somebody had to correct me in saying they saw something I did? You get where I'm going on this? Am I trying to return evil for evil? Because that's the thing he's trying to correct. But Moses fled. Moses fled. The enemy does what? Flees. Flees. The face of Pharaoh, and he dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now I love this. Moses, now he had to get out of there. It wasn't going to work. He was in his scourge. They were out to kill him. But he knew he did what? Wrong. When you do wrong, what do you do? You avoid the situation. Hey, when my mom caught the cookie jar, I was like, okay, I'm going to go this many days without taking a cookie. So I can say I'm clean. <laughs> Come on there. Hey, when you have six brothers and sisters, my mom would put, open up a Dorito bag, put it in the center and we all vroom, right? Cause you got six kids who are hungry, you know? So everybody stole, but you were, I would feel guilty that I know I did steal the cookie from the cookie jar. So then I would work really hard not to what? Steal a cookie. Come on, we do this when we're on a diet. I don't have to talk about when I'm little. Do you know what I mean? If the diet says only do this, this, and this, and this, but you can't eat between the hours of two and five, you are struggling between the hours of two and five to figure what you're gonna steal and how you're gonna cheat it. And you're gonna look around. We're in a fast? Oh, who is gonna know? I I think of Mamie's testimony, putting the cupcakes. Come on. I want us to laugh at ourselves because here, Mamie knew we were doing a fast. Mamie, I got to use your testimony. And she says, I'm taking these cupcakes. I'm putting them in. I will have them all eaten and finished before I hit the car. <laughs> Nobody will ever know except for the glistening sugar on my lips. Right? Yeah, that's, that's a Lee thing. That's a Lee thing. Because that's what happens. She'd walk in here and I'd be like, hey, Mamie, what's it on your lips? Right? You know? Let me taste that. Sugar. what i'm trying to say is i'm I'm trying to put this in simple terms because if you can apply it in a larger term god is really going to reveal to you the thing he's calling you to identify it first he's not asking you to go through the scorch that is not god does not if he has to get us there he will but see for moses what he was called to do moses had to get him by himself he had to get Moses in a place where he remained alone. He had to leave the family. He knew he had to leave the Hebrews and he had to go out. And this is what I, this is so awesome. But I love it. He sat down by the what? Well, where there's well, there's what? Water. When he when the word says. That. If the wheat falls into the ground and it dies, it remains alone. See, that I feel God is saying that when you identify what has to die, he's telling you an instruction. Now, go to the well. Isolate it with me. Remain alone until he buries it. Because when he buries it, now here, I love this. If you are not to do social media if you know that that's your problem, that social media stuff's addicting. It is really addicting. I, I mean, I'm serious. I broke my ankle. I never got on Facebook. I had a Facebook, canceled it out for a reason because somebody was stalking me on it. So I just kind of like, I was done with it. I would I have open house. This person would show up at the open house. I mean, I couldn't advertise anything even on it. So what I did was I just cut that out. Years went by. I broke my ankle. Well, Rachel, you know, she let me look at her Facebook and stuff like that. Why well, watch it all? I would look at it all the time because I was sitting all by myself. And I was like, "Ugh!" it really got on my nerves. I could sit there. Oh my God, three hours on by. All I did was look at Facebook and that's it. I'm done with that. You know what I mean? Like I get tired of stuff like that, that I, it's not going to control me. I, 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 I got to be done with it. But I want you to keep in mind that sometimes when we have something like a social media fix, sometimes we have to cut it off. I like it. I know people in this ministry, they have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now cut off your, your social media. And they actually did it. I mean, and then it could be a year, two years. God says, okay, you can go back to it. Now, when I stopped watching it after I broke my ankle, I can now go to it and it makes me sick. I can't even, I can't even look at it. But yet it is the tool that, you know, is going to bring people to Christ. But we have to be cleansed from the power of its sin. So sometimes when God pulls you to the well, to be at a place with him, to be alone, that doesn't necessarily that you're alone away from people. It he puts you in a spot where you're putting him first. And he has you alone at the well. And now he can start doing some work. Because Moses had a big job set out ahead of him. He actually had to bring all the Egyptians out of bondage and bring them to the promised land. He never got to go into the promised land, but this is a fact I did not know. Forty years after this incident of Moses, we find that Moses is in a desert. He's married, and he is shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. At that point, God called him to complete the purpose for which his life was spared. His life was spared when he was a child, but now God is moving him into a place alone with him. So he can start working out all the things that are in Moses that can't go with Moses to do the main thing. He was called. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and here's, here's the, this is such an awesome revelation. Moses was called to bring the Israel's, the Israelites out of Egypt. But when, but what, before he did that, he had to leave because he was—he thought the people, Pharaoh found out that he had killed an Egyptian. So that was 40 years. From the time he went to the well to the time he came back was 40 years. That's a long time. 40 years he dwelt. I think this is nice. He actually had to learn brokenness was not a punishment from God. But it was a part of his preparation that led him to accomplish the works he had already planned for his life. How many times have we've gone, oh, something has become aware in our life and God takes us to himself, to the well. I like it. When you come in here, you're coming to the what? You're coming to the well. And he's going to start changing on things because he needs you alone with him so he can prepare you. To do what you're called to do. See what's happening. What my understanding is out there in the in in, in the in the world of church. Okay, because church isn't a bad thing. People go to church so they can be a member, so they can do the rules and they can be good. But they're not going to church to be prepared to do what they were called that what they were ultimately called to do on the earth. I went to church just to be good because I thought that's what good was. Is I go on Sunday, I pay my tithes. I, I volunteer and teach fifth grade Sunday school. But then when I learned that is just works that are not bad, but it didn't prepare me for what God wanted me to do until I walked into this place. I didn't even know that the Holy Spirit was there to prepare me. When we get in touch with the Holy Spirit within us, it's called to prepare us. It's called to change us. So look, it took Moses 40 years where he got to be what? I like this. We find him. He was in the desert. He got married and he was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. Now, this is interesting. He was already shepherding. Go to Exodus chapter 3. Give me verse 1. This is deep. When you get called into a place like this ministry, it's so we can get your Holy Spirit regenerated. So it can work to renew your soul. So you can start shepherding and doing what God has called you to do. We have to get you prepared to do the work you're called to do. And who knows how many years it can take. You can be sitting in a chair here for some years, but you could be sitting in here for a year. Do you get what I'm saying? Whatever you're assigned to call, you have to sit and not look and compare yourself to anybody else because God has something he's got to do for each one of us and prepare us. It says now Moses was tending the flock of who Jethro, his what father-in-law, the what? Ah, now this is a revelation I got from this. It's not written in the book. He actually had to go to a place in the wilderness. He got married. He was protected. He had to go to a place to sit by a well. And he had to actually tend to the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian. God sent him to a priest. I love it. This is Jethro's house. And y'all are Moses's <laughs> and you've all come into the door, right? This is the priest's house. I like it. We have the king's house next door and we have the priest's house over here. But all of you are Moses's in the eyes of God. He's got something so wow, that one thing he's preparing for you to do. So there will be a season for the, until the end of your life. But I like that. He brought you here to Jephthah. I like this, Jethro's house, right? A priest here in Savannah. You've been sent to kingdom life, right? The priest of Savannah. <laughs> One of the priests of Savannah. But I'm just, I'm being cute in my in my thought. Because when you came in here, you came in here, some of you have been married. Some of you have been in the wilderness. Some of you, I like this. We. Some of you have already been shepherding. But God's now going to put you and he's going to now train you. We come in here as a dressing room so we can identify the flaws. See, Moses had to get away because they were going to kill him because of the flaws in his mind because he killed another man. And then once he killed that mother man, pride rose. Now he wanted to judge two people's argument. Do you see what I'm saying? You know when pride is building. But uh, psh- because it was identified, boom, God sent him to a secret place to be raised up. And that's what I love about the people here. We actually, I love this. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to her robe, her reb, the mountain of God. See, when he decided to connect with Jeth- Jethro's house, See, now he was he was going to the place where now God could change him. See, we have that. We can go home to our homes today and we can be at where the mountain of God is because God is in Holy Spirit's here to help guide us. That Holy Spirit is there to help start teaching you and changing you. Next verse, Todd, please. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of the fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. How many people have read that verse in Isaiah 43? I know it's one of the verses the Lord gave me. You will go through the fire, but you will not be what? Burnt. This was saying that Moses had to be in a place where God could consume. He was showing him, you will be like a burning bush for me, but you will not be what? You will not be burnt. Because you have to go through these self-denial changes. And sometimes when we identify the thing that's wrong in us, it starts burning us up, right? How many people have felt the rage of burn in their soul? How many of you felt it in your body? How many When you know that it's been identified, boom, you know it. You start burning up, you know? And I don't mean burning up like embarrassment. I just mean like we have, we have had people here that they start getting in touch with the truth. They feel rage so much that they feel they're going to pass out because remember body, soul, spirit, the spirit and the body want to be one, but the soul has to produce it. The moment people start getting in touch with the truth of what's in their soul, boom, the devil can't take them down in their body anymore. When you can get to the root of what is in the soul because you've decided to enter into the priest's home. And you start to rest and grow in what you're to be for 40 years. Moses stayed with him so he could actually have an encounter with God. Come on. How many of us have walked in here and had encounters with God? We never had before because God needs us to have these encounters and these experiences so we can be matured. Hey, I said this today. You can look on this chart and the light is not in your head up there, right? The light is not in your head. You it's hard for you to even identify with what you're dying. There's so much to die. <laughs> there's so much enough to die. But then when you get to the second mercy, he's building in you. And soon he starts invading your what? Your soul, where you're to learn how to identify, hey, what's all this darkness? And then when you cut down here, there's still what? Darkness. But guess what's in your head? The fullness of his light. So you actually can know how to start identifying what's going on. See, I don't believe Moses really knew what he did was wrong when he killed the Egyptian. He didn't know what he was doing. He really was acting out of, his, out of his head. But then when God set him apart and started working and getting him out of his own self, because he actually had to come to a place where he could do his job because he loved the people so much. But he also had to be able to do it by only listening to God and not himself. And see, this is what we're hitting. We are in a time where the choice is set before us. Am I going to do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do? Or am I going to do what my soul wants me to do? And I'm getting, there's a cute little testimony. There was a girl. She went and got her nails done, right? When she went and got her nails done, the lady, the technician was really mean to her. Do this, blah, blah, blah. Really rude. And so she wanted to be what? Rude back, right? And so she said it in her soul that I'm not tipping that person. Come on, how many times have we tried to levy our tip to identify something? Just like Moses did when he was judging the people. We use our tip as a judge, don't we? Okay. Well, she's like, I'm going to write at the bottom of the ticket a big frown face. And I'm going to give her zero of a tip. Tip. Now, she sat there. And then what started activating? The Holy Spirit. And it rose up in her and she heard the words. Now you give her the, sa- the tip. As the same as the bill. And you ask that woman for your for- for forgiveness. <laughs> okay. I love it. Where God is taking us, you have to be able to do something like that. Where God is taking us, where God was going to take Moses, Moses had to be go into back to Egypt. And Moses had to be able to hear the instructions of God, administer those instructions, whether it was to Aaron or whether he had to give the instruction, but he had to give those instructions. But he had to be able to say, no, I'm not doing that because you don't deserve it. (laughs) Or no, I don't want to do that. When this person, bro- that's, this person brightened my day when they text me this text. Because they actually did it. They did exactly what the Holy Spirit said, not what their soul said. And this, person's in this, this person attends this ministry. And what's so awesome is God is going to bless that person. Isn't God going to bring a blessing on that person? That is going to be a blessing. I'm telling you, because she, while she was sitting there, She was afraid to even remove her hands because when she heard the Holy Spirit's instructions, her eyes just whelped out. Hey, just whelped out in the tears. And she could not, and she could not. She wanted to move her hands, but she was afraid the lady was going to yell at her. You know what I mean? But she knew she was going to do it. Now, come on. Isn't that awesome? I want you to think about this. We talked about this in spots the other night. How do you know? that he's forgiven you it's by the behavior in which you do to others that don't deserve the love you think they deserve when we've become to the point of moses where we are the judge and we're the prince okay he's going to be pulling you to the well soon i want you to think about it what there's the next what are you judging what are you deciding to return evil, evil for what is he showing But it's so beautiful. Next verse, please. 3, 3 says, Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. 3, 4. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said what? Here am I. See, I want you to keep that in mind. There are several reasons why God leads us through a place to go in the wilderness. is so we can be broken. He pulls us away. Says, you're going to go through the fire and I'm going to consume and I'm going to kill that seed that's in the ground. But you got to remain what? What was the instructions? Remain alone while he's doing that work. Because he needs to keep you alone before he sets you out to do your assignment. We are a ministry where we're, we're not called to return evil for evil, but we're called to identify, set ourselves apart, so that we can be prepared to do the great work and sent out. Do you know what I mean? Moses really was being affirmed. He was being affirmed during this time. God wasn't mad. God was trying to bring him through a process. It says God had chosen him to deliver the people from Egypt. Egypt. Out of slavery, God had chosen him to be a part of the family bloodline through which the Messiah would come. Who knows what God has chosen each and every one of us to do? Come on, we don't know. Moses was a long time before Jesus ever came. We don't know what the steps we are called to do. We have got to be broken in our alone time with him. I was telling this to somebody today. Our personal altar at home, Is so you can empty yourself of yourself. So he can reveal to you what needs to be done. And then when you step out that day, he's going to ask you to do things that are going to challenge you. And it's going to break you to do some of the things like giving the tip to the lady that was mean to her who gave the thing, you know, how many people have given a bad tip at the restaurant, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've all been tempted. I did not receive my what? Service. But see, God's looking for a people he can mature and he can get their self out of them. And as he breaks and humbles them, they'll be able to serve the people. They'll be able to serve those not because they deserve it, because you were told to serve that person. That's really deep, isn't it? How many places have we been put where God wanted us to serve something for him? And we were just concerned about what we were being served at. See, it's a whole mindset transition, but. God wants us to have that personal time with Him so we can hear His voice, so our soul can be renewed and He can test us and put us out on those assignments. Man, I'm so excited for this woman who actually passed this test because she felt the burn, she felt everything, she felt the fight, but then she did what? She did the assignment. And now the blessing is going to come because God has her in. I like a place, a family, we're a flock. To help each other along with the move. All right. I like this. Moses had to be broken. Because he had prestige. He had power. He had wealth. He had extraordinary credentials. He had an important background. And he had an actual position. In the Egyptian. In Pharaoh's home. That demanded respect to him. So he was already raised up with all that pride. But I like that. He actually even had all the resources of his diso- disposal. Therefore, he was not dependent on God at that time. But on his education, on his position, and on his resources. Turn to Hebrews chapter eleven twenty four. 24. Go to Hebrews eleven twenty four. 24. And Todd, what's the time? Okay. It says, by faith, we are on the journey of what? Faith by faith, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I like that because the inside his, he knew he had a calling he had to do. Did he understand it? No, but it was burning in him. It was burning in him. How many of you know that there's something in your heart burning in you that God is trying to process you to do the work? If you're here, we're in preparation. Next verse, 25. Chosen. He was chosen rather. He chose it. Choosing. Sorry. He's choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Man, come on. That means we're all born into sin. We're raised up to believe a certain way. God brings you to a ministry like this, into a priesthood. So you can, he can flesh you out. He can get the spots out, renew the mind. So you can be put right in the spot where you're going to, you're going to bring people out of bondage. You are, everybody in here is a Moses called to bring somebody, something, some group, some mass out of bondage. I think it's interesting. He had, he decided not only here's the kicker too. He left Pharaoh's house went 40 years at Jethro's house, he was still married. It still wasn't bad, right? And then he, then God says, okay, now you're going to have to go back, bring the Egyptians out of Egypt. And still he had to suffer in the wilderness for another 40 years. He said, yes, here I am. He said, here am I, I'm, I'm going to do this. But now he had to process him 40 years to be able to move the people and to suffer with them for 40 years. Come on, how many people are willing to go up your next 40 years? Ah! And we we suffer on a fast for 40 days. (laughs) I mean, I want you to think about that type of mindset, the renewing of the mind that has to get you to do God's will that desperately, that you would rather pass on the passing pleasures of sin sin means not having the faith in what Christ Jesus came to do there's moralistic sins and then there's the spiritual sin of not having faith in what Jesus Christ died when you say to somebody will you forgive me and you are not to blame come on people you have just decided to take suffer an affliction Instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of being right all the time. (laughs) We want to be right, right, and more right. And we want to be so right. We deserve interest on that right. Come on, get with me on this. You know what I mean? But I really love it because God in everything is doing something to process us. Now, when our minds aren't right, the Lord showed me this on the first row there's a lot of field work to be done in the first row because there's no light in the soul, right? But the light is in you. But the second row, I hear the saws. I hear the nails. I hear the building up. And building up means he is building something within us to do something when we hear him say, do it. But those who are on the bottom row, when we get to the maturity of the bottom row, you are the Moses. Who would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy a passing pleasure? Because those are the stewards who are here to steward the people and their change. And guess what a steward is asked to do? Sometimes a steward is asked to do something to help mature somebody else. So we can't even judge what somebody's doing with us, we just have to always judge within ourselves and the Holy Spirit, what's being done in us. Because there are some things, I'm going to tell you, there's some quarterbacks out there that pass the ball and it doesn't feel good. But if you catch it and you actually apply it, you're going to win the game. But when the quarterback, the steward, the mature one, throws a ball and it looks so wrong and you don't want to catch it, that's on you. It's not on the quarterback. In in God's game, it's not the quarterback's fault. The quarterback is told to throw the ball. And he's not to question what he's to do. He's to throw the ball. Our job is not to question anything around us. It's always to internally look at us from the inside out. Because I'm telling you, I do see this. There are some mature people in the body of Christ that are called to do some things that do not make sense. And we start becoming like Moses, judging it, judging it, judging it. And the ball he threw was just trying to change something in you. See, you have to be able to read where are we at on this chart. Gene's going to ask you this next week. Gene told me to remind you of the homework. He wants everybody to come in here to say, where are you at? And I'm going to help you. (laughs) If you still don't even not sure if God loves you, you are right up here. All right. If you don't even know what you and you can't even identify your flaws, you're right here. If you are judging a lot of people, you are right here. If you are in constant looking around like Moses, right? Moses was up here when he looked around and then did the sin. All right. But as we mature, you know, you're here when you're building one word at a time in your soul and you have the victory. All right but you still know that you're rebellious that means you get the instruction the ball's coming to you and you decide if you want to catch it or not <laughs> you decide if you want to make that quarterback history and <laughs> winning the super bowl meaning god will send somebody to give you instruction you know what i mean but you have to be able to catch it and be able to take it and go for the and go for the touchdown That's how you know if you have rebellion in you or sometimes you want to do it, sometimes you don't. No, okay, Holy Spirit, you said to tip that person what it costs for my nails. Nope, I'm not doing it. Can you imagine that kind of rebellion when God is trying to get something to you? So he gives you an instruction when somebody doesn't deserve it. Do you get what I'm saying? But then you can't, the call comes from what? The Spirit. The Spirit makes the call. So that's how you know. If you're building like that and you want to rebel... You're on there somewhere. But if you truly have become a steward of God and your head is renewed, but you still, we're still human beings. God is going to ask you to do something that's so out of character and it's going to seem so wrong. But it's really the quarterback throwing the ball to save somebody else in the rebellious row. I mean, I'm telling you, God showed this to me. He has put people in my life that it's like, this is not fair. This is not Fair. But the whole time God was using that situation to get me to identify what he was killing in me for the season. Man, we are supposed to be so excited when somebody's used to shed the light on us like the man who caught Moses. Hey, you killed that Egyptian. I saw you going to kill me, too. And the man is crying it out. And then can you imagine Moses? Everybody knows. How do we feel when we think everybody knows our sin? We don't feel good. Okay. That's what's so good about being in here. If the light shed, just go with it because God's only trying to shed it so he can get you to do the great pass, to do the great thing. Everybody in here is going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody in here is going to be the receiver and to go for the touchdown. He already has that in everybody's life. Do you want to get there? If you want to get there and say, here I am, then you're going to have to go through some things that Moses went through. You're going to have to go through some things. And then you have, I'm telling you, he gives you small little personal victories. He gives you ministerial victories. And then there's a big global mystery for Jesus' second coming. It's so beautiful. Isn't it beautiful? So ask yourself, when the Holy Spirit asks you to do something, are you going to suffer the affliction with the people? Or are you going to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin? Missing the mark. We don't want to miss the mark. Next verse, Todd, please. Next verse. Isn't this awesome? I got God is working our life in the same manner in which he worked Moses' life. Everybody who's in here, we are in the place to be prepared. To go out. None of us in here have been sent out to start doing what we're fully going to do. If you have a house of peace, you're sent out and you're starting. You're starting to get a feel for what you're called to do. It says Moses esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward, which our great reward is what? The fullness of him being manifested inside of you. He gave up the greater riches that were in front of his face. Come on. When we're in this inner time, God takes away the things that we put more value than God on. So if I love my Mercedes and I love it too much, guess what? He's going to take it away. If I love something more than I love God, then he's going to do what? And that could be a job. That could be a relationship. That could be, that could be finances, whatever you love. I want you to think about this. Whatever you love more than God. Be prepared. He wants to break that out of you. It's not because he doesn't want you to have it. He just doesn't want it to have you over him. So you can be set to do the Moses job you're called to do. Everybody's in here to to go out and do something. And he has a blessing for you. I love that. He didn't let Moses stay by himself. He still was what? Married. God still gave Moses what? A family. A family. God still gave what Moses, a flock to tend and to learn with. We're learning how to tend to the body of Christ by tending to each other. I love it when I see, I was on Christmas Day and I went to Chris and Tori's house. And it was so awesome. And um, Prissy shows up and she just comes in her little whirlwind thing, you know, and cooks the kitchen, makes the meal, cleans it up and says, yep, see you later. Do you know what I mean? But she, but that's serving. She actually served. Tori and Chris. Oh, trust me. She could she has an edge on you. She can cook. This one. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, she does that for Tierra. She does that for people. She does that. I'm honoring her right now. She's going out of her way to just go go in, whip up something clean, make it make it pat like a nice little mama and say, Okay, goodbye. Do you know what I mean? Meaning the Lord is always gonna prepare us so we can serve another. Okay, he wants us to serve others. Do you know what I mean? And he honors us. I thought you put your hands like this. Like, oh, she cooks better than me. That's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, Prissy, He would. He really would love that what you did. And I'm going to tell you. Um, I didn't. I, they gave me food to take home. No kidding. I ate the rest of that before I went to bed that night. I was like, I cannot not eat this. It was so good, Prissy. You did so good. But that was love. Do you see what I'm saying? Love is when we give beyond ourselves. That was Christmas Day. Do you know what I'm saying? And she shows up and just whips something in their kitchen just concerned about Tori and Chris on Christmas Day. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, that's a beautiful thing. When we do for others, God is preparing us. But we don't do it because we pick them because they're the most special. Whatever God puts in your heart this week to do something for somebody, even if it's somebody you don't like or you don't think they deserve it, do it. If God asked you to ask somebody for forgiveness about something, go do it. Because all he's doing is moving yourself out. Going back to the same verse. Todd, put John 12. John 12. We're going to end with this verse. John 12, 24. I want us to get the grip of this. But we have to spend time alone with God at home in our altar so we can be broken. The next three spots classes I'm teaching on pride. He gave me a teaching. Pride. He gave me teaching. Pride. He gave me another teaching. Pride. It broke me. I am in my bed. I sit with my legs crossed, have my little, I put my pillows up as like my little altar there with my Bible open. And when God was teaching me through this, I felt it. Ugh. Oh. I took my blanket. I just, I just cried. It broke me so much. If it broke me, I know it's going to break all of us because it is awesome that that's just what I I needed that breaking for the season. Do you know what I mean? We don't fight the breaking. Let the breaking come because it's what sets us free because he says in his word, most assuredly, not a doubt. He said firmly, most assuredly. Unless a grain of wheat, the grain of wheat is the thought in our soul. Unless it falls to the ground and it dies, it remains alone. It needs to remain alone. Jesus did this. He was the live physical seed that fell to the ground. And he did what? Died. And Moy, he had to do it alone. He couldn't take anybody else with him on that cross. He had to do it alone. And he remained alone and he died. And the moment he died, he produced much grain for all of us. And so God only asks us to do it in thought. He's not asking for our physical lives. He's asking for what we think is more important than our physical life, which is our thought process. He asks us to take that one wrong thought. And now I want you to just drop that to the ground and let it Die. Because it will produce much fruit if you will let it die. But the key is, let it remain alone. Sometimes we have to be alone. I love it. Jesus came, Jesus came to sanctify the soul. Sanctify means to be set apart. He says, your mind shall be holy as his mind is holy. That means holy. Separate yourself for whatever the time is. Be alone in the moment because you're really not alone. He's going to break something out and it's going to be fruitful for many. Go to the well. Moses had to go and sit at the what? The well. And God then put him in a place where he could grow and learn. Everybody's here to be at the well. Something in us. Raise your hand if you think you already know what your identification to die is this season. I know it it can be. Okay, good. Good. That's excellent. Okay. But if you don't, it's going to come. It's going to come. We're not teaching this so it can be a secret. And that doesn't mean I know what it is. But start asking. Do you know when you ask God something, he wants to show it to you. He wants you to. And I'll tell you right now, he doesn't want anybody in here to take the epidural. And he, oh, nobody in here is going to be a C-section, maybe. Whatever the thing that has to produce life, there has to be a death before life. Okay, so something has got to die. You want to succeed at the burial? Do it alone. Do it with you and God. That's why I'm not asking. I don't want to know what everybody's dying at. But if you and him know, he's going to start now challenging that. And he's going to bury it. But you have to work it out with him. See, the thing that gets me concerned is when a woman does natural childbirth, the promise in the word is she will be delivered from something. So most women are so afraid to have natural childbirth, what's the first thing they do? If they already know about it, they can have it, right? But if you allow yourself to go through the process, he wants to break something in you. But even if you take the epidural, he's going to break something in you later, right? He's still going to break it later. But God already said he created a process for women that something can be broken out of us if we allow this process to go. But we don't want to grab the natural things of the world, the comforts. So we don't have to feel the pain or we don't have to go through that transition of being alone. How painful is it to go along? Hey, when I was in college, I got married because I was afraid to be alone. I knew I wasn't sure if I wanted to get married. My dad goes, no, you marry this person because they'll take care of you. I remember sitting in the hallway, cringed, crying. I don't think I want to get married. And then I heard a voice said, you don't have to get married. But what did I do? I went and got married, right? I wasn't strong enough to be alone. See, sometimes when God is taking us to the next place, he needs us to be what? Alone. I'm telling you, I think about my family because, you know, I was saying this today that I've been set so aside from my family, but not so aside that they don't know where I'm at. But I know it's to go back and bring them out of bondage. So God is just preparing me and building whatever needs to be in me to do this successfully. God doesn't send you into a job for you to fail, does he? He sends you in to hear the call. He throws the pass. You catch it. You run for the you run for the touchdown. We're all going to make it, but he has something for each of us to do. So whatever this season's getting removed, it's just getting us one step further to doing what he's called us to do. All right, did you guys like today's lesson? Okay, I want us to think about that. Go back and read that story. I knew about Moses leaving Egypt to go live in Jethro's house. I never knew it was because he killed a man. I never knew it's because he shame was revealed and he had to go flee to go deal with himself. But it really, when I read that, which was right out of, you know, I mean, out of this book, I thought it was such an awesome revelation that God wants to constantly bring us in that time. Every year, we should plan time alone. Hey, marriages. If you're married, it says in the word that if both people equally decide to um, abstain, you know what I mean? Set the time, no matter how, whether it's a week, two weeks, whatever it is, and give yourself to God. And then watch the way the reuniting will be, because it will bring back much fruit, because you allowed yourself to be what? Alone. You know what I mean? Being alone is a really hard thing. I mean, people have experienced it, but then God gets you through a time, and he has more for us. But he will honor that time you take to, to be alone to allow something to die. And it doesn't have to be forever. It doesn't have to be forever. But God wants what's in our heart and he wants us to do an assignment. Our marriages are really assignments of God. That's why, I mean, I love it when you see a marriage complete its assignment. And, but it doesn't mean you might not be married again. It doesn't mean that. It just means God's trying to get you to the next level to get where you need to be. And so it's awesome when I see single people really working out their time, what? Alone, allowing God to do the process. And I honor those who are doing it with another person. And really, when I watch these marriages, it's awesome to watch them do this with another person. All right, so let's just pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies and it remains alone, It remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Lord, open our hearts to identify the piece of grain that we need to put on the ground. Lord, help us to find that time of isolation with you so that we can turn around and go out to your people and do what you've asked us to do. Lord, I thank you and I honor you for the Holy Spirit who was put in us and poured out. Your love was poured out by the Holy Spirit so there would be no disappointing hope so that we can receive your instruction and we can move in the way you want us to move and grow in where you want us to grow. Lord, help us to be good builders and good stewards of the mysteries of your word. Lord, help us to encourage the body of Christ and to lift them up so that they too can know we are all in a process. We are all in a process through the awareness of your grace. So Lord, we thank you and we honor you. And Lord, I ask that if there is anybody in here That has asked you to identify that weakness. Make it be known. Make it be clear. So that they can seek your scriptures. And so that they can allow. The burial process to happen. Lord I thank you for your death burial and resurrection. Because in Christ Jesus you showed us. The resurrection where he came up. And he was ascended next to the right hand of God. Lord for him to intercede as our high priest. And to help us through all our time of need. So Lord I thank you for giving us the opportunity to boldly go to the throne of grace so that we can gain his word and his direction in a time of mercy and need. Lord, I thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.